0: Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy, I'm Katherine Morehouse. The Biden administration's landmark climate law offers lucrative incentives for companies to develop pipelines carrying carbon dioxide to disposal sites across the country. And while those pipelines have support from some well-known Republican figures, the party's populist wing is much more critical. That's causing some issues for high-profile elected GOP leaders, especially in recent months as more and more nationally known conservative figures and organizations get involved. So today, Mike Sorahan from Politico's e News on how CO2 pipelines are the new populist Republican target. It's Friday, September 22nd.
1: The signature piece of legislation in President Biden's climate agenda is what's known as the Inflation Reduction Act, which one of the sweeteners in there for industry was tons of money in the form of tax subsidies for carbon capture and sequestration. I think it's $85 a ton that you get in tax credit for pumping that underground, essentially. So industry is very interested in this. They're very interested in the tax benefits. And they see those tax benefits and they're looking for projects. And one of the most high profile situations, I guess I can't say a high, one high profile project, it's really two or depending on how you count it, three is in the Midwest. And we've taken up the term Midwest because it, between the three of them, they cover six states reaching into them. But these are pipelines that would carry this carbon dioxide, which has been diverted from the smokestacks put it in sort of a liquid vapor form, and you ship it in a pipeline. These pipelines have become very controversial because it involves eminent domain, which means taking private property. The government would authorize them to take private property. It's never very popular to do eminent domain, but this is farm country. For some of these people, they are the soil and the soil is them, and they do not like the idea of somebody cutting through it.
0: And you're reporting that these projects are actually splitting Republicans between populists and the rest of the party. Can you talk a bit about how that divide has played out?
1: Well, you have a lot of the people who are behind these projects. There's some centrist Republicans, probably the best known or would be Doug Burgum from North Dakota, who is a very dark horse candidate for the Republican nomination for president. He's been a big backer politically and financially. You have Bruce Rastetter, who of Summit Agriculture, a very, very big and powerful businessman in Iowa. He recently had a private event with many of the Republican candidates for president. And of course, this is Iowa. So, you know, it's very important politically. So that is kind of the mainstream, the examples of the mainstream Republicans here. But they have gotten a lot of opposition to start with from mainline conservative farmers. You want to take my land? No way. It has also become very unpopular with the hard right, the populist wing of the Republican Party. And there's a lot of things here. For one thing, they see it as a a Biden initiative. They also see it as a climate initiative. And, you know, we're talking in some cases about the people who you know, see climate change policies as a plot by elites to control people. And then it's taking land. One of the interesting things here is that there's been some confusion among some of the sort of the hard right media in saying, you know, where are the environmentalists on this? They don't oppose this. Well, again, the most mainstream environmental group there is would be uh, the Sierra Club, and they are fighting it very hard. So that's been a misnomer when you look at conservative right-wing media.
0: Right. That's interesting. So you kind of have this weird unity between environmentalists, kind of mainstream environmentalists, and then the hard right, kind of both opposed to these carbon capture pipelines. And then you have kind of the more mainstream Republicans on the other side. And it sounds like that split is making it awkward for Some high-profile elected Republicans like Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds and South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem. How are you seeing this impact them?
1: Well, in Iowa, Governor Kim Reynolds, who is routinely called, you know, popular Republican Governor Kim Reynolds, has really been able to avoid the issue and avoid taking a position on it environmental groups, particularly that Sierra Club that I mentioned, and opponents in general have been trying to meet with her about this for a long time. And they say she's declining their meetings and they are very frustrated that Reynolds has been able to seemingly get away with or not take a position on this issue that is animating a lot of people in Iowa. And in South Dakota, Christy Noem is under attack from some ranchers and others who want her to do more. They want her to call a special session of the legislature to pass a law that would rein in significantly eminent domain. Generally, these things say you can't have a permit unless you get, say, some percentage of what they say is voluntary, non-of getting land without eminent domain. And she says she's not going to call in a special session unless the legislature is prepared to pass that, and they're not. And she says this is an issue for the state utility board there, which is elected separately. Now, in Iowa, this decision is also in the hands of the utility board. And in that case, those three commissioners on that panel are selected by the governor.
0: Also, on Thursday, President Joe Biden expanded the federal government's use of the social cost of greenhouse gases, a metric that assigns dollar values to climate pollution. Biden ordered all federal agencies to consider the climate cost metric when developing their budgets and in the procurement process, which builds off its current use in environmental reviews and in rulemakings. The social cost of carbon has become a target of Republican controlled states seeking to hobble the administration's climate agenda. And in the coming weeks, the Supreme Court is expected to determine whether the challenges filed by Missouri and Louisiana deserve another look after they failed in lower courts. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Nermal Malachal is the podcast producer. Kara Tabor edited and also produced the podcast this week. Our editors are Matt Daly and Gloria Gonzalez. And that's our show. I'm Catherine Morehouse, and we'll see you back on Monday. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Chevron is working to responsibly meet rising energy demand across their U.S. operations, like at their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand.